is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Kane, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Let's rock! Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Patrick Green. Christian Motzka. Andy Geek Girl. Majid Chanel. Harry Chicos. And Micah Green. And Xander House, who's also here with us in the chat room. Welcome, everyone. Happy Alien Day, as it is Alien Day 2023. It's a very exciting day. It's a really big day for us. This is, of course, our Alien Transmission Roundtable. And uh, we all actually, for this recording, because we recorded a little bit before Alien Day, we all sat down and watched essentially what is probably just about the final cut of the film. I'm excited to be here with everyone and talk about this project that's been in process since, I don't know, probably about September of last year was really when it started getting rolling. And uh, I had thrown this idea out to Patrick and Christian, uh, probably, I don't know, I want to say August, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe late July, saying, hey, we should do a short film for Alien Day 2023. And of course, everything we've been doing up until this point has been audio dramas, with the exception of Alien Outland video diary series that we did for 2018, I believe, or 2019. I can never remember the dates. I just felt like it was a, it's a great time for us to sit down and talk about this project that has been consuming our lives, certainly my Patrick and Maj's life for the past few weeks. But everyone really came together and uh, we had a really, really wonderful time. And so I'm here to talk about it with the rest of you. This, You're absolutely right that not only does this represent like the most work we've ever done together, but it kind of represents the most time we've ever spent dedicated on one continuous thing, because this goes back to, like you mentioned, the Outland web series. It also goes back to Alien Abandoned, which came out last year. And we are, you know, Jamie has done a marvelous job of writing these things so that they interconnect. We've also been, you know, using music cues from previous things as inspiration. We've been using story beats as inspiration. And you're going to see some of those things in this short film that will reference the other works. So it's not only the most ambitious thing that we've done, but it's also the thing that kind of brings together a lot of perfect organism history, which is amazing. And it also is beautifully circular in that it's, uh, you know, starring Micah, who was of course starred with me in our first ever audio drama project back in you know 1912 or whenever that was and uh and you know so it, it's another chance to kind of work together on a long form thing which has been great just in our household it stars one of my kids which is crazy anyway before we get into all that we have to thank of course our patrons and we also have a special shout out that Jamie's going to give uh and I just want to do a quick thank you to the patrons who more than ever have made this whole thing possible. First, I want to start with a patron who very kindly let me know that I've been massacring his name. It is not Nick Bro. It is Nick Bruff. So sorry about that, Nick Bruff. Uh, and we also recently got Mark Mattis and Loki Jackal. Another great name. Um, so in addition to everybody else who's come on board, thank you so much. Go to go to perfectorganism.com slash support or just go to Patreon, search for Perfect Organism. Uh, and if you'd like to join, please do so there. We have Tons of really cool stuff coming out right now. We've had some of Maj's incredible effects work. We've had Xander's miniatures. We've had, you know, diaries from the production. Uh, I'm about to be putting some music in there. It really is cool. And we're also, of course, as you probably know, if you're already a patron, uh, arranging for exclusive screenings for patrons early of some things. So all that said, welcome, everybody. This is great. Jamie, I want to hand it back to you because I know you've got a special shout out to give tonight. Yeah, so of course, this show is really fueled by our listeners uh but this project specifically is only possible because of our patrons but i want to get to our listeners for a second a specific listener his name is joshua jobo bodwin he's been listening to us for a long time uh we understand that he feels like we are his friends because he listens to our show so much we feel the same about our listeners we feel like we are who we are because of you guys really and Perfect Organism is where it is because of our listeners and certainly because of our patrons. So Joshua, thank you so much for listening 
we had heard that your youngest son wasn't doing that well. We hope he's doing much better at this point, and we hope you enjoyed Alien Transmission. So without further ado, let's get into it. So maybe the best way to start this off would be to kind of revisit when the whole thing began. Jamie, you want to kind of take us back to the early days and when you thought you were going to be working on this project? So in 1812, <laughs> every year it's kind of the same thing. We release a project and then I'm like, I don't know if I want to do anything else. And Patrick's like, yeah, I heard, I've heard this before. And then uh, two weeks after Alien Day, I have an idea. And I believe, Hang on. I believe the actual, the way it goes is Patrick, quote me on this. I'm never doing another project. Don't let me true. do this again. And then three <laughs> hours later, it, hey, I got an idea for a new project. That's how it goes every fucking year, but it's worth it. But this, this for this Alien Day, this has been really special because honestly, after Alien Abandoned released and something I feel like I'm the most proud of in terms of the audio dramas that we've released. I feel like it's the best thing Perfect Organism has released in terms of our audio dramas. And I felt like there was, it felt like completion in a way. I felt like we need to do something different. This is just, it's time to step it up. We had talked about it, Patrick and Christian and I had all talked about it briefly. And then we th I threw it out there again and they were like, let's do it. Let's do uh, an actual film. But I have been thinking of the character. Actually, Micah said this one thing to me, I don't know, maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago. We were talking about projects and Micah said, write me another project for me to act in. And that's been in my head since you said that to me. I'm like, I really like this character. I think she's really fascinating. She's in a very interesting position when we see her in Alien Outland, which is the web series on YouTube, by the way which we've mentioned before. And so I thought, how could I reincorporate this character? But also when you're writing a short film on essentially a zero budget, I mean, we had money, but we don't obviously have the kind of money that studios will give you, or even, I don't know, regular short films might have. You have to write a film that fits that budget. You have to write a film that works in the constraints that you have. And so that's what I set out to do. In the film Lock, you see the character played by Tom Hardy go through a gamut of emotions uh, while driving in his car. He's talking to his wife. He's hearing about all sorts of things, all things, all sorts of things happening in his personal life. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great to have a similar situation where we have a character dealing with the decision that they have made in this cockpit and they're trying to get out and they're trying to go someplace else. So that's kind of the germination of, of the story. And so I started to write it. And then, because I feel like, I feel like I can write really well. I even feel like I can write female voices really well, but at the same time, I felt like this needs to be authentic. So I brought in Micah and Andy just to give me some ideas about the voice of the story. And then Christian came aboard and, gave some ideas in terms of like consolidating some characters because we had a little bit too many voices going on there. And Maj had story notes as well. So we all kind of came together once the story was in place to hone it and to make it what it is today, the film that you see. So that's kind of how the story began. What we're going to do next is we're going to um, talk to Xander. Xander is in our chat room. We're going to read his responses. Uh, a lot of work went into making the miniature of this for this film. And it is a really, really incredible miniature that I get to own. Thank you. Thank you, Xander. Thanks for making it. But it's really, it's something that blew my mind. I, you just don't know with stuff like this. You don't know when people come together to, to work on a project and everyone's kind of bringing their talents and you don't know what that's going to look like at the end. I had no idea that what Xander was going to give us was going to be something that's amazing. Not that I didn't think it wasn't going to be amazing. You just don't know. So I want to ask you, Xander, what that process was like and uh, we'll just cut around it. And then we can talk about how I invited myself onto that. <laughs> <laughs> and the bomb you brought. Oh my god. That was wild. Do you remember that, Micah? Like a month and a half I... later, I was like, there's glass on top of the fridge. Yeah, there was literally glass yeah. on top of the fridge. And on the other like, side of our house. That's how <laughs> propulsive this thing was. But I also forgot about that for until right now, until this minute, <sighs> when you read these freaking was... oh my god. Traumas like that, you know, it's it's easy to bury. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm sorry if you keep finding stuff like years from now. <laughs> we'll always remember. Yeah, I tend to leave my mark wherever yep. I go. There you go. Crater. Yeah. <laughs> so Xander says uh, to the questions that I uh, we asked in terms of his inspiration, and I asked him about weathering. This is his reply. Well, first, I contacted my best friend Marcus Peterson to do the concept art because I don't draw. 
After he drew this wonderful concept, I wanted to knock I wanted to knock this out of the park. My first thought was to 3D print it. I went on Fiverr to find some 3D model concept art. That took a few weeks. Whenever I got the 3D file, I got my 3D printer set up. I plugged in the file. The first print failed after three minutes. After a ton of YouTube tutorials and 15 attempts, I realized that 3D printing wasn't the route. Time was running out. I ran to my local hobby shop for models to kit bash. After two hours of looking, I found four models that I could use. After blood, sweat, and tears, I got it done. A big thank you to my mom for super gluing all of it together. Thank you, Xander's mom. Uh, Micah's question in terms of Xander's inspiration, Xander says, Micah's question, funny enough, it was Alien and Blade Runner. I often thought that that those models didn't look like models. They look like actual ships and buildings. That is so true. And I, I know we're all biased here, but I feel the same way about this model. I think it's amazing. Um, and my question w- was about weathering. Xander says, the weathering was interesting. I thought that the ship was almost like down, was like a down and dirty mobile lab. So you don't want super heavy weathering like the narcissist, but it wouldn't be super clean like the Prometheus. Graphite powder was a key factor in that perfect middle ground. Fun fact, originally, I wanted a a very narcissist look to the model. You can even see that in the concept art. Due to the models that I had to kit bash together, it ended up with a Prometheus look. And really, it kind of does maybe, but I also feel like it's its own thing. Thank you, Xander, for all the work that you've done, uh, for how long it took. I know we were checking in days and days and days, finding out how things were going, how the printing was going. And I know it took you so much time. So thank you so much. And God bless your ambition. Cause at the beginning, Xander was like, should we make it six feet, 12 feet? They're like maybe, <laughs> maybe a little smaller so we can ship it. Yeah. The miniature is freaking phenomenal. And having seen it somewhat in person, but mostly through footage, I can attest to the fact that it looks just as amazing up close as it does on screen. So it's just amazing work. Um, So as we're kind of talking in pre-production, as anybody who listens to Perfect Organism knows, we have a resident, not only Lovecraft expert and many other things expert, but costuming expert in Christian Matska. And uh, so we kind of knew we had to bring Christian on board uh, this project, not only because he has filmmaking experience and a lot of valuable insights to the story, et cetera, but because he has all this costuming experience and also access to pieces that we could use. So Christian, uh, what were your, guide us through a little bit of the decisions about what went into the costuming for this thing. Because I wasn't present for the actual filming, it was a little bit of a, a guessing game about what might fit people. So I mailed a bunch of not a bunch, but a few different options down. And, and luckily there were things that, that fit people. We didn't have a new ship patch made for the production because it was just the sort of an incidental thing. But I had this round patch that Amanda Ripley has in Alien Isolation. And I thought that it's, it's generic, but still has that iconic John Mollo kind of feel. And ironically, Micah kind of has uh, an Amanda Ripley look to her with the with the headset on and everything it's so it, it's kind of nice but so that was kind of the the key piece there perry's costume doesn't really show up in film because of the how close the the camera was on his face as it should have been but i hope that he enjoyed getting dressed up uh that was an old piece actually from a an alien themed web series that i tried to do 10 years ago and i just thought all right let's let's give this a shot work clothes and you know, a couple layers. I don't know. I think, I think it came out pretty well though. I don't know if anybody's ever seen like, you know, those documentaries about the Unabomber or something where they're like really carefully opening, this is going somewhere. Don't worry. They're like (laughs) opening, you know, in a controlled environment, a package, and they have like people all around with like lab with like blast suits on. That was basically how it was opening these boxes from Christian, because I know how expensive and priceless these things are. So I was like, Micah, pay attention to everything that I'm opening. We need to be writing down. I'm like sitting there unsealing the bag. Yeah, oh but it all well, made after way a while, back. I was just like, let me do it. It's just yeah, safer. I was like, that's probably, that was a better bet the entire time. It but they came true. out great. I forgot that I actually had had mailed one of the Nostromo crew, you know, Adam Ezekiel's line, one of his uh, blouses, which is not inexpensive. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> and while we didn't end up using it, I think it probably would have been gigantic on anybody because it's, you know, it's made for my frame, but um, I'm so glad that you guys got to see it because it, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful piece. So, and oh, it, it made it so home. Cool. So 
All good. And it was like having a piece of Christian in our uh, in our shoot, which was really really special. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Take of that what you will. So, uh, Jamie, you want it? You want to pass it off maybe to Maj next? Maj is our DP. Maj is also the editor of this. But at, I, I feel like those those descriptions aren't really they don't suffice because all of us, of course, in in terms of the pre production in the beginning, it was myself. Christian and Madge going over everything. It was like, first we were trying to figure out how we're going to build a cockpit. And Patrick and I had decided that, okay, well, I'll come in a week early and we'll go and buy materials and we'll build a cockpit. And we were trying to figure out how that was going to happen. Madge was a part of those conversations. Yeah, I could, I was having trouble reconciling that. And we were just like, how, and it's coming down to the wire and yeah, go on though. Yeah. I was like, guys, I'm going to pull up my blueprints. We're going to do 3D CAD software. And Jamie's <laughs> like, give a Dremel. I'm like, yeah, we got Dremel. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> that would have been horrible. I can't say enough how much work went into the pre-production in terms of us working out what we were going to do. And for, I would say, the first three months, it was trying to figure out how we're going to shoot this trying to figure out how do we build a, a cockpit set, looking at photos of homemade cockpits that people made for their films or for whatever, and, and looking at chairs, like what kind of chair we're going to buy, we're looking on Amazon, looking for all different kinds of things to give us ideas on how we're going to build a cockpit in Patrick and Micah's basement. To that end, I know I was really inspired by uh, this, I think it was uh, this photo that I found of the mm -hmm. guy with a, uh, a projection on his face, like it was red or something, and reminded me a little bit of Alien. And so we, when I presented that, Mash kind of took it full steam ahead and started doing video test shoots. So do you want to kind of talk about your process, Mash? Yeah. So Jamie found this picture, I guess this was like a fashion photo of this, of this male model, maybe like from uh chest, uh chest up. And he had a hard red light on his face. It was casting like a hard shadow on it from his nose. And um, and I think there was like an, like a bluish edge light. It was very dramatic, very atmospheric. And there's some lights in the background. And it communicated a lot with almost having nothing because the person was in a void, but it just had these kind of very saturated colors on the face. And you're, you're, it just got your imagination going. So that was kind of like the skeleton key of like, okay, this is what we do. We can how are you know i don't know if we can build a cockpit because if we come together like how are we going to plan it how are we going to pick what materials we use it was like i was collecting stuff i was keeping my eyes peeled in the lead up to the shoot for things we could use uh for like set stuff and props and whatnot but that picture was kind of the whole thing and all our minds were kind of going to the same place of the familiar image of a projected image, like implying someone looking at a screen on someone's face and that kind of reading as someone being in a cockpit, looking at a, at a monitor. We knew we wanted that to be a visual element. It just so happened because sometimes it turns out the universe does want to help you. I had come into possession of a couple of projectors from my job that were collecting dust and I asked if I could take them. So I uh, got my friend Josiah, who has uh, taught me a lot about cinematography and just the, the nuts and bolts of setting up lights and cameras and stuff. Um, to come over and we set up the projector and a few lights and we shot this test that was a, a, a direction for us where it was just kind of kind of be like almost in the lineage of poverty road noir films and westerns where you only had a dollar to make something and they'd be like oh wow it's so expressionistic and it's like yeah we had like a desk and that's what we had in a light so it was um so it kind of simplified things and it, it gave us a mood and an idea to you know a visual signature to pursue so that was where it started and there were things that i used for the set that were kind of found objects, things that I owned for years that were, I just thought were junk that I tried to get rid of several times and then presented their ultimate purpose as being a piece of the set in the movie, which is um, has been kind of a fun thing where I've noticed not uh, just organically, there have been kind of echoes in our in the production of this little movie that kind of mirror some of the things of alien it's of the original film which is like found you know basically con constructing a set uh, out of junk you know there there's a screen uh that features prominently in the movie that was just like i something i found at my job i didn't even know what it was but it was this old um kodak slide projector viewer thing that ended up being perfect for this idea i had to use the projector to also uh, make a a screen in the cockpit so that also um i ended up making this little uh alien uh like creature head thing and i ended up using 
um, like a replica skull. And I'm like, all right, now we're cooking. We're using skulls to make the alien. There's blood and guts. I'm, I'm cutting up uh, another, I'm, I'm sawing a jaw off of a, a miniature skull and, 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 you know, <laughs> hammering it into another skull. And then uh, the back end of its head was kind of long and pointy and I had to saw it off and kind of uh, round it off. So I took a, a clump of clay and rounded off the end. And what do you know? It looked like a penis. So even that is inescapable when you're making uh, alien, these things just creep in the, the, the Giger, uh, the spirit of Giger was just, uh, you know, had to permeate. So it, those little things have been fun and they're really just for, for us to know, I guess, but it's kind of fun to be like, wow, you know, we get to have a sort of like miniature personal experience you know, in the lineage of this. And also, again, to bring it back to the generosity of the patrons, you guys have allowed us to kind of have a microcosm of the the experience of making a movie where we have a budget, we have a set time, we have various talent just based on the people that we've, this group that we, that serendipity is kind of assembled. We have someone who does camera, we have a writer, we have a, a brilliant composer, we have a costumer, we have actors that are excellent. We have a miniature, uh, you know, um, model builder. So it's just been like, it's been really fun and stressful in the, in, you know, in still a good productive way where you can be proud and stuff. So I, it's been uh, it's been great. I would love to answer another question if you'd like me to ramble more. And as people are getting questions for Magic, I just want to also uh, let people know the hours that this took, not just the two days that we were shooting, but the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours that it took for Magic to work on the set. So we would have, we would have shoot, we, we would film, we would break when we'd have to change the set. That would be a few hours. So it was again, not just hours in Patrick's house, or the hours planning it, it was also the hours after it, mass shooting, the interior, the the creature, the spaceship, um, the blood, the ferrofluid, which is the black substance that you see in the fake blood. All of that took days and days and days and days and days of Madge's time. So he's not going to say that. I'm going to say that. We're going to say that for him. Um, we, I really attribute uh, this film looking as good as it looks because of him. And I know Patrick agrees. Oh yeah. And just to add to that, you know, the driving around, the renting equipment, like the setting down, striking things at the end of the, I mean, it's just, Mash has gone so incredibly far above and beyond. And again, to something that he was saying about this kind of random assemblage of serendipitous people, like I didn't, Maj, I was not a cinematographer before this in any you know mm -hmm. real way. This was something where he just has always has such intelligent things to say about cinematography. And we were talking about doing a short film, Jamie and I were like, maybe he could like do it maybe he could shoot it I, I bet he could and i remember we were doing an alien 3 commentary or something you talked about the focal length of the lens and i was like yeah he's going to be able to do this <laughs> and it was great because Shut you can up it was amazing lenses. and and not only you but also josiah i really want to give another shout out to josiah who i hope is listening to this um and if not you know he can listen to just this part but josiah I'll force for one him thing, to listen to it you force him to listen to it. Just an awesome dude for one thing just a great hang a gracious guy a really just very cool expert in what he does and he brought the professionalism ev even up farther and i feel like it's been so cool watching you kind of under his tutelage a little bit and watching you now being so confident with these things that in the beginning you know a, a common thing i would hear from you is is like oh i don't know if we're gonna be able to do that like we can maybe figure it out and now it's like okay we need this and this and this so it's been great watching you mm -hmm. grow into like such an incredible filmmaker and I just want to echo what Jamie said about the gratitude for the hours you've put in and just the, the generosity that you've had. Um, and, you know, that really does go for for everybody. But I want to single out Madge because he's done such an extra amount of work. And as we kind of move around, uh, you know, to the actual shoot itself now, um, you know, somebody else who had to put in a ton of work is my lovely wife, who's on the call tonight, who is resurrecting a character whom you actually got some time with. I, I want to say briefly before I turn it over to you that we shot all of outland, all of Micah's Joe's scenes for outland in our bathroom, which, uh, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, and it looked pretty good. Jamie did, that was Jamie. Jamie's amazing at making things look better than they should. So that goes to Jamie, but also we had a pretty good bathroom anyway. Um, but Micah is of course back here as Joe Denton, our scientist in a pickle, and, uh, and so, Mikey, you want to kind of take us through your journey of pulling this character together? Sure. I mean, first, I wanted to say thank you guys for giving me this gift of, of getting to 
make some cool art with really cool people. Like it was just an absolute blast. And to go back to Mash, I think that you made literal magic with the set and with everything you've done since Jamie, you just can write life. It's so cool to like be given a script that you've written and to be to know that that I get to be this small part of it. It's I just feel really lucky. Um, I really do. And it, it sounds so cliche to say, but it's true. I feel really lucky. Um, when I first got to play Joe, I found her to be pretty, um, you know, I was really thinking of her as a scientist who is really motivated and just really going out there to do what she does best, but is kind of given the worst circumstances and she's the type of person who really doesn't want to accept things like that so she tries to put it behind her it wasn't altogether different in this situation that we find joe in um to revisit the character i just i just kind of i mean i i was an actor for several years up in boston and i have a degree in acting um and my process tends to be that of going to the script and seeing what the story has to tell for me. So it's not difficult to connect emotionally to characters, especially characters that Jamie writes. So I was just kind of happy to be able to take this emotional journey. And it's all right there on the page. I just got to say it, you know? Yeah, it it was really fun. It was fun to shoot in our bathroom in the darkness. And it was magical to shoot in this this full-on set that sprung up in our basement (laughs) a few months ago. It was really, really wild, and I I feel really blessed to be a part of it. Your face was the set. I just want you to know that's like True. the thing. This <laughs> is this is what my concern was that Jamie and Patrick brought up a minute ago. Is like, what are we going to point the camera at? Like, there's we have nothing to point the camera. We don't have a set. We have, but we did have Micah, and that, and then wearing that jacket from Christian literally took it up like 40%. I was like, this is, I can't believe how much just something small like that does it. And a headset, little light, little, this little, that little, you know, and then a story is all you need. And the rest is kind of, this one kind of invites you to use your imagination, which is what I like. To Christian, uh, the headset that she's using, I want to just give that special attention for a minute. Like that's just not a headset that we found somewhere. Christian, can you tell us about that headset? That's the headset. It's it's called a, a Rakal mini light headset. They wore them in Alien, Aliens, um, Han Solo and Chewbacca wear them in Star Wars. So that that has continued. Um, not easy to get. So the, the one that, that Micah was wearing um, is about two thirds original pieces with a replica head headband because it's a specific piece of metal that goes over your head and tends to break over time. But it was one of those things where that's the headset that you you think of with uh, with Ripley on the Nostromo, you think of Michael Bean wearing it incorrectly over and over again in Aliens. And so knowing that we were, we were going to have such a, a tight close-up, I thought, okay, let's let's make sure that we have that piece. And Jamie had contacted me saying, who, who makes these? How can we how can we buy one? And I, I gave you a link first, I think. And I'm like, well, hold on. Why don't I just lend you mine? So that's how that ended. Yeah, they weren't responding, number one. <laughs> Well, they knew that I needed to step up and say, hey. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's really old headsets. You can't expect them to hear you. <laughs> uh, I also have to say that Micah, more than, of course, because we have Andy here, who is the voice of um, Antares Traffic Control, and we have Perry, who we're going to get to, who is Elliot, and also another mysterious voice. Um, but Micah was alone on that set with everyone else, and it was freezing downstairs in that basement, freezing, and Micah, you had to take your coat off. And then like be in character and over and over and over. And then you'd put your coat on during the the breaks. So I just wanted to just let everyone know that like it was cold down there. Like it's like people talk about when they're on movie sets where it looks like a certain way, but in reality, it's fucking freezing. Um, and it was fucking freezing in his house too. So <laughs> it was the cold. heat was at like fucking 75 for you guys. Six degrees. Walking around with a sleeping bag on. Patrick has an actual <laughs> complex about this, you know, now. Uh, yeah. We can he talks around well, like, is it so cold? We're getting now. I just think it's <laughs> Anecdotally, uh, so, and we'll get back to Micah, but so we're all sitting on uh, Patrick's couch. Me, 
Mash and Perry, and we're wrapped up, all of us. And Patrick's like, "Are you guys cold?" And we're like, "Yes." And then Patrick asks Micah, "Are you cold, honey?" And or Micah's like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> it was the best. Meanwhile, Perry's in from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm sitting there okay. in a t-shirt and boxers. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> it was very, very uncomfortable for everyone. To be fair, there's a basket next to my couch upstairs that and we have like five blankets in there, and it's just a thing. It's like a cozy thing. I don't know, but it's I am bull- from Minneapolis. It's bullshit. So it's it's bullshit. <laughs> but speaking of blankets in Minneapolis, um, <laughs> we go to Perry for a moment. Perry also, of course, is uh, resurrecting a role that he previously performed for us. And uh, his character in, in Alien Abandon is one with a very interesting arc unto itself. So we find Elliot in Alien Transmission in a very different capacity than we kind of last see him in. So how did you, how did you approach putting this role together? And uh, how does he kind of relate to how he was in, in our previous experience with him in, uh, in abandoned? Yeah. Um, great question, Patrick. It was that uh, there are many layers to it. I I feel like, and, and I just, I mean, Mike, it's a two second, a lot of the things that you said, like I'm very thankful to get to work with all of you and, and um just to be a part of such an artistic group of people and and jamie for writing um the part and being able to you know really take what i was able to give and abandon and then give it more of this i guess like character arc internally i mean i i know you don't get to see a lot of that right in this in this small situation that that we're watching and and i'm in a another screen but it it was great to i guess be able to just build on you guys like what had happened to elliot in in that situation um on that planet um and then being able to you know the question comes up for me about lila too right like why wasn't elliot decommissioned after that experience that he had right like why didn't the company so i so i got to like those were the types of questions i was asking myself and and then just building off of that and i used a lot of inspiration obviously from the you know the alien films and and just like ash and i I wanted to sort of be an ash with a bishop personality you know, like that's, that's kind of was what I wanted to build off of. Um, and, and just because I really like, like what Lance Henriksen brought to that role specifically anyway, but just like you, you get this very like kind and empathetic person. Um, but, but there are moments in aliens, right. Where you don't know what Bishop is really thinking or if he's going to act the same way not because of well yes because of what we've seen in alien right from ash and and just like the malfunction uh you know just the fact that like the company's is still kind of in control here a little bit or or is in control you just don't know it yet sort of a thing right so so it was it was just great to be able to pick from this universe and add as much into the the character the background and and how i could try to portray as as much of that um into my role which which was um just a a really beautiful thing and and um micah it's awesome to know that like you have a degree in acting like that's really cool i grew up doing a lot of stage theater and um did a lot of film uh projects when i was in college and things like that and throughout all of the the projects i did like i never got to really do something that had like a sci-fi um atmosphere storyline to it and so just just another um another thing i'm just so grateful for to to have met all of you and and get to really just contribute to this to, to this universe that we all love so much to be able to add to this story and and I don't know, give a little gift of, of content out there to our group, to our patrons that, that allowed for us to be able to, to do this. Like, I know there are so many fans out there of this, of this entire franchise. And, and it's just great that, um, you know, we all have the ability to come together and, and really add to it. And Christian, I do have to say, um, once I put uh, the costume on that you sent for me, like I loved it. And like, it felt so, um, synthetic in a way to me, like I was even doing like the little 
ash working joe like jump like whenever i'd go to the bathroom you guys or, or we'd take a break i'd like go and then i would like do the little running in place <laughs> um no one saw that but anyway you know just a little little in, uh inspirational character work for me and and it was um yeah it was it was it was awesome christian i i really loved it so thank you for that and just to kind of jump on that quickly before i hand it back over to jamie um you should have you should have seen the car to go pick you up when Jamie and I were driving to the airport. How fucking excited <laughs> we were to get to hang out with Perry finally. It's the same way the first time we saw Madge a couple years ago in Massachusetts for a brief second. It was this whole like, what's this gonna be like? Like we know them so well, but we're not in person yet. And then you come out and it was like it was like we'd hung out a million times in person before. Um it wasn't it the was same so experience lovely. of Madge coming out ducking for airplanes because six it's so foot tall. six, yeah, <laughs> monstrously tall. But no, but Perry, like for one thing, you're similar heights to us, which is great. We we're all on kind of the same level. But you were also just just it's such a warm, awesome person. Like those memories. Yeah, Jamie's saying you you know you're not that tall, Jamie. I'm five <laughs> fucking nine. Yeah, you're. <laughs> I'm five four, so I don't know what any of you are talking about. Five hundred feet. Tall. Um, but but you're but uh, Perry, you brought such a warmth to this set just like you do to our show all the time in terms of just keeping people happy keeping my kids happy like you did such a great job just playing with the boys like you're just such a great guy to have on the set and also i want to be especially grateful to how gracious all three of our actors who are here tonight were in terms of being coached and rehearsing things uh so i have a, a background in acting as well that's how micah and i met and i haven't done it in probably seven or eight years now but I, i've been in dozens and dozens of things and i never got to direct any of them and this was a chance when Jamie very graciously was like, would you like to co-direct this with me? I was like, where's my kind of value add? And I was like, oh, it's acting. Like I can actually workshop things with people. And so we got to like really run scenes different ways. And we got to try different things out and experiment with things. And one of my favorite experiments in that with Perry was we were trying to find that line where something changes, Right because you have to be able to relay that you're synthetic and that you're abiding by programming until you reach a certain point where some threshold is crossed and then there's like a shift. And so we have all of these takes of trying to like find that moment. And Perry like is just a great actor for one thing, but also just such a gracious actor and that you were like so patient with doing all my stupid ideas and trying things out. And then you found what you really, what the real heart of the arc of this piece was. And Micah also, of course, whom I've been lucky enough to act with many times, like you also just were, you were so, even though you're amazing, you were so willing to just try things out and to like sound weird if it made the scene better. And that's why I feel like we got so many great takes of your performances, but the one that we ended up using to me was the one where it was like the, it was like the room was filled with electricity. Like, I mean, I, I really, I've seen you in so many things at this point, and that is probably my favorite moment of you on stage in anything. You weren't even on stage. You were in our basement. Which she was, was warm, on, she was by on the way. freezing, fucking on freezing. That counts as a stage <laughs> match. <laughs> I was so cold. Like I hate her basement. Yeah, it was at no. least eight hundred. But but you but you found that take, and it was like we had all these great takes of of trying things out, and then there was that one, and it felt so real, and it was like, man, even if all we get out of this is just you and Perry just running that scene together, even if there's no set, like it's a movie that I'll watch. So I just want to thank all of our actors. And I want to also do a quick thank you and turn it over for a moment to Andy, but I'll let Jamie, uh, Jamie do that. Andy geek girl, as everyone knows, is one of our contributing hosts. She's been on a lot of shows and it's going to be on more shows just because we want her on perfect organism as much as possible. But I approached Andy to be uh, and Taurus traffic control. Cause I felt like it was important to have as many, uh, women's voices in this project as possible. And, uh, Andy was graciously said yes, but not only was, but that's a, a pretty short part, but Andy was also there taking photos for continuity, taking photos for uh, our social media for Patreon. So, and she was also again, brought exploding Prosecco uh, that worked out really well. <laughs> um, but so I, I just really want to take the opportunity to not just appreciate you, Andy, for uh, recording Antares, which I know is small, but just everything else that you were doing. And you, you know, you've drove into Connecticut, you stayed at a hotel, you were there for both days. It was really, really great. Do you want to kind of talk about your experience a little bit? Absolutely. First of all, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, I was so excited weeks up until that moment. I was like, I get to meet all of them. And the moment I arrived and you guys were outside playing basketball, I felt like I had 
hung out with you a million times before. Like it was immediate, there was an immediate comfort from every single one of you. And I'm so grateful for that. I I never had that moment of like, oh my God, what, you know, are they as cool as they actually are in, in person? And you were beyond. Uh, Christian, you were totally missed, uh, but you were there totally. in spirit. Um, it was freaking freezing. <laughs> but I, my default is I'm cold if it's like less than 75 degrees. So I had my bare, uh, I don't know, I had like this big fuzzy thing on and I was fine because the warmth that you all brought warmed it up. Um, But I was just, I was, I loved seeing the tour of your room, Patrick, behind you right now. Um, Just seeing your lovely children and your house, getting the tour of your house, that whole experience. And then once filming began, I just soaked it all up, you know, seeing like the little shifts, um, you know, in the lighting and like somebody would just randomly throw out an idea and everyone would be so receptive to it. And we would try it and we would try like all these different things. And some of them worked and some of them didn't. And everything that did is up there on the screen. Um, I had a blast. I really did. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I was part of it. It's always been my dream. I'm just a lover of movies. Um, and it's always been my dream to be involved in something like this, you know, and, and for it to be this alien related and with amazing people and sci-fi and just, it was incredible. So thank you. And I'm sorry about the exploding. <laughs> I'm sorry about the shards of glass that you will probably continue to find throughout your kitchen. Um, that is a funny story. I believe we're, was it Perry? Were we talking about? It was you and I, Andy. Right? Yeah, we were all sitting in that room. I, I think thought, you were there, Perry. Yeah, I was there. No, Perry too. and I were downstairs. I was in the basement happened. with those guys. Yeah. No, no, no. Are you no, sure? No, you weren't, Patrick. I, I, I know that I was upstairs. Oh, yeah. I was, I was downstairs. I was wrapped I was, in seventeen was blankets, <laughs> and I was minding my own business. And all of a sudden, there was some like a huge explosion. I literally thought one of our ceiling lights, like from the lamps, had fallen off inexplicably and crashed to the floor. But it was just that a bottle of prosecco had gotten too warm by sitting on the counter from our very warm house. Oh. Uh, that sucks. My house is so warm, we got shit blowing up in it. Okay. <laughs> it was yeah, actually cold. I don't know why it was so cold. <laughs> don't leave Prosecco near a often used toaster oven. Just, yes. you know. I yeah, that's, the, that's what the word of the wise. I think, yeah. Andy, your husband was like, yeah, because it was science, right? Like, yes, like you're, <laughs> that's, that was his answer. He's like, science. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, he practices magic. Like, maybe this, maybe he like did this, you know? He was, yeah, he did. He's having fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I will have to say, like, in terms of directing, and then uh, we're going to, I'm going to get over to Xander and read his replies. Uh, In terms of directing this project with Patrick, it really worked out well because we kind of uh, took our turns where at at one point I was on, food duty so i was making food for everyone that that evening so i was up there i was up there doing that and then patrick had kid duty so then i went downstairs and uh directed a few you know we just kind of played off of each other and then for the for the most of it we were both down there together um but there were a couple of times where we had to kind of trade off and it really really worked patrick and i can kind of read each other's thoughts most of the time and so it just it worked out well like i think he understood what i was going for i understood what he was going for but i also think things are much better when you do them together with people and really that's this project is not just the 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 work of one person this is the work of all of us here um and all of the ideas that we brought together and i also i just want to mention go back to christian again and just say how amazing those costumes that you provided were and how authentic they were. And I know uh, the film looks the way it looks because they're authentic to the world of Alien. And that was really important for me as well. It was important to get the film to kind of look more like Alien than any other film. And because of all of our talents, we did it. And so I'm I'm just so proud of us. And it fed the kind of mood just to like see them and every, you know, to have people in costume and just like it, it's special. Cause I don't spend, I, I've, I've not 
really held like a detailed, really beautiful piece of costume work like that. And I was like, oh my God, this is like story in itself. It's like holding the script. It's like, it's, it tells a story. You look at the label, you look at the stitching and you're like, oh my God. And then, so it was very special. And Andy Geek Girl, best voice in the biz. Andy's voice is production value. So that was a huge, huge awesome. I have been told that I sound like Demi Moore, like many times. I don't know if that's true. I, I definitely have a voice, but, um, oh, thank you. I mean, I've never seen you and Demi Moore in the same room. So <laughs> You hang out with the same people, though, so it's probably, you know, could definitely I mean, be true. Listen, I have nothing on Paris and Ford over there. Uh, <laughs> hey, I have a question, um, Christian, uh, the shirt that we have, that you provided was that shirt made by adam ezekiel not the ones that made it into the film okay I, like i said i sent a couple of options what perry was wearing was something that i had made years ago oh um, wow that i'm you know it was it was good for what it was but it, it didn't have that level of research and it, i feel like my contributions of costuming help the the interior feel but my god xander's ship grounds yes. the whole thing like we and and honestly it's xander's ship but also mash what you did to create the sense of a landing field of, of buildings or something just off in the background behind the rain it gave it that extra depth Appreciate now it. my one contribution really to the script was in the original iteration that jamie sent me the ship is in orbit right and is waiting for permission to leave orbit and i said well hold on a second wouldn't it be more effective if the ship is still on the landing pad still on the planet also hell of a lot easier to shoot a miniature yeah on thanks <laughs> appreciate you and to do some sort of compositing so that's my that's my one no 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 so christian's <laughs> other contribution was there were three people that joe was talking to initially um dr alaric and Taras, and then elliot and then one of the four total actually mm -hmm. and christian was like why don't you consolidate two of these people and it really worked. It made it more succinct. It made it flow better. So that was an important, essentially the dialogue is still the same, but instead of Joe kind of like, who's this, who's this, who's this, she's only doing that with essentially two people now, as opposed to three, where it goes from Antares traffic control to Dr. Alaric, which, uh, by the way, the name Alaric, uh, is a familiar name to everyone who probably listens to the show and is familiar with alien fandom. He is one of the founders of alien day. So I like the way his name sound. It wasn't more, it wasn't really a homage to him, but I guess it kind of is. I just loved that name. So it's why I chose it, but I credit Christian with really saying, Hey, you need to tighten this up a little bit. And it really, really worked wonderfully. So thank you for that. Well, also Patrick wanted a sing along at the end with it with the alien and they were dancing and i said no no no, come on save that for the sequel a kick much. line I, it was, people would have loved it chris I what mean, are you talking about we did shoot it so <laughs> spent forty thousand dollars on that yeah <laughs> but uh, to echo christian xander's uh contribution like it can't be overstated it's i've had this model in my home now i've mentioned to the gang like for the better part of a year and i'm gonna miss it because i'm gonna send it off uh back to uh our co-directors for them to have but it's it it's just beautiful and maybe we can segue to xander now but i know that xander's uh final construction of this model was not his his plan a this is his plan b or c and that was really something that was a huge part of my process for pretty much every step of this thing was like, you know, some of the things that I shot were figured out the day before or hours before and ended up being happy with. Well, with that, um, I know we're kind of kind of come around to the end. I want to say one little factoid about the music to give you a little bit of a sublime noise moment. Um, but uh, I, before I do, I really want to just echo the gratitude and the love that you're hearing tonight, this really, you know, as soon as we dropped everybody off and I remember I, I watched Jamie walk away at target meeting his friend, Kathy for the next part of his trip. And I was driving away and I was like, man, like I'm never going to forget this experience. These podcasts are so special to me. And Jamie, obviously, you know how special you are to me for doing this, for being such a great friend, such a creative inspiration for bringing us together in the first place to do this. And like, I just feel like the family that has come out of this thing is, is just an extraordinary part of my lived experience. It really is. 
Like you're all amazing people. And this is a wonderful window into how amazing you are because we all did this together, you know? And, and it's, and it's just, it's just a, a gift. And I really like feel overwhelmed when I watch this footage and I hope that the love and the care that went into this translates for all of you because it really is for all of you, because you are the reason, as Jamie mentioned, we're here tonight. You're the reason we're able to do this. And you are the thing that drives us the most to try to produce things like this together, to try to try impossible dreams to make them into reality. Um, so yeah, those, those times watching Andy pull up in her fit out in front and, you know, watching Perry get out telling us about his BMW. I don't know why I bring cars up tonight. Um, but just like, just seeing all these people who mean so much to me, who I haven't gotten to spend physical time with was amazing. And Christian, we're going to hang out and you can carry me like a baby if you want to, because I know you're 35 feet tall. Jamie, you're gonna so, say no, I just got to say that. I am counting on Christian showing up for the screening. Obviously you guys are listening to this on alien day. Uh, this is, uh, you know, two weeks before alien day. So we're not really sure what's going on, but I demand that Christian be at the screening. <laughs> uh, but I also want to say, if you guys have questions, our listeners, um, for us about this film, we're having a live, it's kind of what we do every alien day. We have a live round table at the end of the day. We don't really know what's going on in terms of the bigger picture with 20th century and Disney. And uh, we're hoping they drop things. Maybe they have by this point, I don't know. But if you guys have questions for us, please uh, either send us a message on Facebook or email us at contact at perfectorganism.com. And we'll talk about them in the, the round table. Uh, we would love to open that up for people to have questions or maybe have a couple of you even come on the show. Who knows? I just want to take a second to say how important Patrick's music is to this project. Everyone else has had someone else to kind of shout out mm. the, what they brought to this. And so I don't, I don't want Patrick to have to puff up his own feathers here a little bit, even though you can, it's amazing. <laughs> Having heard here, I've heard earlier iterations with no music and it is just a game changer any sound is, is a game changer, but you you really have done an amazing job. And this podcast is so blessed to have your skill set once again added to one of these projects. So thank you so much. You're here and, uh, to blow Patrick's horn too on, for myself. Like I've always trusted Patrick with like music. Like whenever we're ever approaching anything, I'm like, I don't care what you do. I completely trust you. Whenever I listen to Patrick's music, it's always music I've wanted to hear. When we were doing um, Proximity, which is the, well, not technically the first audio drama, but the first real feature length-ish audio drama that we ever did, uh, Patrick, you had a, a library of music and every piece I listened to, I was floored. I was absolutely floored. That's how talented Patrick is. And so with this project and every project we've done, I was like, do whatever you want to, I don't care. I mean, I had a couple of like ideas for a couple things here and there, but. 99.9% .9 of it is this brilliant man's work. So thank you. Yeah, see, I'm lucky. I, I've known him for a long time and I get to always experience the little shoots of life that he's able to put. And Patrick, your music always, it just, it brings everything up to the next level. It really makes everything feel alive and urgent and necessary and it demands attention and it's phenomenal. And it's just, I still am in awe, even though I've known you for quite some time now, 60 um, years, so 65 million <laughs> years. Um, so yeah, we are really lucky to have you and perfect organism is lucky to have your passion and your creativity. Thank you. All my feathers are so freaking puffed up. I can't even talk now. Thank you very much for doing I that. I have more to say, but I don't know. Is it, can you take any more? <laughs> no, 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 I, I just want to, I, I do want to say real quickly when I, when I did a first initial cut of the movie, I just went to Patrick SoundCloud and his band camp and Patrick was insanely prolific a number of like particularly a number of years ago pa like what period was that patrick was that out of grad school or like what is oh, just the, just pre-covid like, everything stopped pre with covid but before yeah. that it was like 12 pieces a year minimum yeah yeah and like stuff that you did with virtual instruments and with real uh you know um musicians in an actual space and like there was so much to pull from and it, it was releasable with the temp score but then uh, you sent some stuff you made for it. And I was like, oh, this. Yeah. So uh, what I always say to people, I'm like, oh, yeah, Pat, I'm like, Patrick's the real deal. Patrick's like real like composer. It's crazy. OK, anyway, that's so um, sweet. That's thank you all so much for saying that. Um, it goes without saying that it doesn't happen in a vacuum and that it's really easy to score this stuff because largely because of the way Jamie writes it, it just blends itself very well to music. But also, I think that, you know, 
watching the way that this has come together has been just incredibly inspiring to me. And I feel like when we have done previous projects, I, I'm at this period that we're in now as we're recording this, which is about two and a half, a little under two and a half weeks out. I'm always kind of stressed out because I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel right yet. And I'm like, I scrap, I write three hours of music and I get rid of it. I'm like, oh my God, this is a mess. But this one, I like have such a vision for it. And I feel really relaxed in that right now because I think it's because of all the things that you've done, all of you, like all of you, every single person on this call tonight, which is amazing to be able to say that, but all this whole group of people have put something together that I get the incredible privilege of just waltzing into and writing a response to it in a way that feels really natural because of the strength of your work. Um, and so just briefly to kind of give a little bit of a window into that before we close every year, I, I always want to find like my hook, you know, like the one thing that I want to do that differentiates this from other things that I've personally written. Cause it's fun to have a challenge, but also from other things people might've heard in audio dramas. So, you know, when we did tides of night a few years ago, I bought these Amazonian death whistles and I used that as a basic scoring element. When we did abandon last year, I bought this water phone, which um, uh, you might hear in this score. Stay tuned. Uh, which was just an amazing instrument that I just felt like it ca captured something ethereal. But in the process of, of scoring Abandoned last year, uh, there's this amazing part, Jamie wrote, where there's this transfigurative moment where, you know, we enter into a cavern and it's, and it's, it's otherworldly. And it just basically is like, it's a, it's a moment of transformation in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I wrote, I wrote probably 15 or 20 different ways that that could sound. And I, I really hated all of them because a lot of them were kind of stereotypically scary or a lot of them were kind of reliant on the score for Annihilation, which was a big influence on that score because of the water phone. It just felt too too much like other things that I had done or, or Jorg Ligeti who, you know, influences everybody. And then uh, I was thinking back to grad school and there's a composer that I really fell in love with in grad school named Alexander Scriabin, who was a Russian composer from uh, 1873 to 1915. He died really young of septicemia from a boil, unfortunately, but um, an incredibly prolific composer who was a pianist who went to the Moscow Conservatory, really gifted guy. He was friends with people like Sergei Rachmaninoff, if you know him. And uh, Scriabin was, was always a little bit different. He, early in his career, he was very much in the late romantic mold of people like, like Richard Wagner, for example. And then somewhere around the turn of the 20th century, he started leaving tonality as we think of it behind and trying to find new ways of creating material. So he was, you know, organizing things in a way that didn't sound as traditional. And one of the scales that he came up with was this thing that he ended up fixating on as basically a holy object. And he called it the Prometheus chord. And the Prometheus chord, he thought, was the way that we would bring about the annihilative redemptive moment that humankind needed. He thought he would bring about the end of the world by playing this chord. And he had this whole plan. He was, he was going to rent a mountaintop and he was going to bring people to it from all over the world. And he was going to have this huge light organ, this organ that also corresponded with lights going off. And he was just going to play this chord basically, or a piece of music based on this chord as loudly as he could from this light organ. And he thought that that would signal the end times. And I've always been so attracted to that because it's so preposterous for one thing, but it's also just such a beautifully ludicrous thing. And he really tried to make this happen and he unfortunately died before he could, maybe fortunately, who knows, it could have worked. But um, anyway, this this random chord that he that wanted to play has just been, it just sits in my head all the time. My own personal harmonic language typically doesn't really utilize that arrangement of notes very much. So I don't think I've ever used it in anything else. But when we were scoring Abandoned and we had this chamber sequence, I was like, what if it's just like this chord? And what if we just kind of sit in this chord for a little bit? And it made this moment that made my fucking skin crawl. I was like, that is so unsettling. Uh, and I never forgot about that. So the score for our project now is very much uh, based in that. And it's, and it's an exploration of what other things can happen with that material. Because to me, we've reached a point now, you know, where we had Outland, we had Abandoned, we had Transmission. We've had this whole arc that's been leading towards this moment of transfiguration again. And the transfiguration here, of course, is Joe making the decision which we don't know what her decision is, but of having this moment that's an impossible thing for a parent to face, right? And and it's prefigured, up, and I'll shut up in a second, by this beautiful moment, and I love how Madge, this is Madge's idea in the edit, to have the shared trauma that Elliot and Joe lived through 
by what they've experienced, kind of it, the way that it happens in the hallway with the sound cutting out. So it's almost like they're in a room talking to each other for once. There's this beautiful moment where there's like a Passover there narratively, you know? And to me, that's kind of like, it's confirming that this thing exists and it's confirming that this is happening. It's confirming that this is real. So the music that accompanies that is very much the music that came out of that transfiguration in the previous work. And I, I think, um, you know, it might signal the end times. So just be prepared, you know, when we oh, screen the movie in person, but uh, that's, that's kind of where that came from. And and I hope that you all enjoy it. And if you, if you do want to purchase the score, you can do it just like the other ones on Bandcamp, and you can do it for whatever you want to pay, but it goes directly into our um, same thing. Our Patreon goes into, so it funds future projects. And um, just in closing, I'll hand it over to Jamie, but I just want to say thank you to Jamie for giving us the opportunity to do this together mm. and for doing such an amazing job with the story and with these characters. You know, you always talk about how important characters are. I think your work is such a testament to that because these characters feel so real and so lived in and the quality of your writing inspires all of us to do better. So thank you to Jamie and thanks to everybody else. Indeed. Thank you guys for <laughs> uh, being here today on alien day even though it's not really alien day yet and thank you guys for listening um uh to again to our listeners uh to our patrons i know it's late for some of you on the east coast and um, this was really the most special project and it was fraught too there were definitely hard conversations that we had to have a lot of them uh because we've never approached this project of this size so it wasn't all hunky-dory but that's just kind of the nature of projects like these where you have really passionate every one of us is passionate and we have our own ideas uh so here's to the future here's to maybe the next thing that we do so thanks again for for listening everyone and for uh supporting us happy alien thanks, day everybody yeah happy alien day Happy Alien Day. Happy Alien Day. It's Harrison, okay. Harrison Ford. It's Harrison, yeah. Tell him I meet him. <laughs> Gotta be a star. Tell him I meet him. I love the smile. In the museum. It's a long For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.